2: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Isis, Corey Phone, and the editor-in-chief of Winter is Coming himself, Dan Selke, who you could see on WIC Live today wearing a Santa hat. Dan, that was quite the look for you. Uh, thanks again for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. No problem. Glad to be
3: here. Thank you for having
2: me. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's always a pleasure. Uh, too bad we don't have Annie tonight. She's on her vacation, and uh, Corey Thone's stable boy is out mucking the barn again. uh phone Corey Smith. W- yeah. Well, yeah, Corey Thone's uh, stable boy is C- Corey Smith. He's out mucking. Ah. He's out mucking the stables. Thone works him to death. So, I mean, what you? Not
4: yet, but that's the goal. That's
2: the goal. I was going to say, how how long is this going to take? Anyway, um. What we're going to talk about tonight is this is our last podcast of 2016. We're going to take the holidays off. We'll kick it back up uh the back of the first week of 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 January in 2017. But right now this podcast is all about our year in review of Game of Thrones and we're going to talk about all the fun stuff that happened from 2016. From January, or we'll probably start in April, guys, because that's when it all kicked off. All the way till now, there's lots to talk about, and we'll get all the way through it. Um, but first, let's just kick it right off um, with episode one of season six. We all knew we all knew what we were kind of expecting. We were excited for uh, Game of Thrones to be back. And Dan, um, I want to ask you when you saw episode one. And the camera pan down uh, top of back, and and ghost is howling. Uh, what was your first impressions did you get a Did you get a feel for how the season was going to go after episode one was done? I mean, I'll be honest.
3: When it first came on, I was nervous. I remember being nervous because season five was decent, but I think a lot of fans, me included, thought there were some cracks in the foundation there. Absolutely. But the last couple episodes especially were kind of, gave me a little pause. So, honestly, I was a little worried that if it wouldn't go off the rails in Season 6, it might, like, I, I was settling in for Game of Thrones to kind of take a bit of a drop, you know, and, like, be one of those shows that isn't as good in the older years as it in the early ones.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, Episode 1 didn't really, like, shock me back to life, but by the time, I don't know, like, Episode 3 or 4 rolled around, I was back on the happy train. Pretty
2: much. Are you telling me that uh, old, naked Melisandre didn't shock you into anything? That I love. I mean, it was great. <laughs>
3: I, I, I thought the scene was really, really good. But there was that Dorn stuff, I recall. That, to me, was like, oh, great. A and it, it, it's it's not, good. It's, it, it's not the fact that it's dorm. It's <sighs> the fact that it was poorly handled and written. And I figured, oh, okay, so we're, we're still going to keep having poorly written stuff on this show.
2: Right, right, right. I, I
3: think that might have been the worst part of the season, that first dorm scene with Arya being a second place. But um, after that, it was uphill. And I remember just the first episode, Melisandre being naked. I remember Sansa's an Allegiance, or Brimstone's Hornet to Sansa. Mm-hmm. I remember feeling this was going to be good, but it really got me back on board. And I think it turned into a really good season in the end, about, like, a fourth of the way through.
2: Phone, what do you think? You think, you think season six, uh, from that first episode on, I mean, to me, the Melisandre twist was a pretty big twist, and it was a nice way to say, hey, we're back, and we're ready to shock you. What did you think about that?
4: I honestly – I still can't figure out why that was necessary. I know that might sound weird, but – Really? Yeah. I mean, I we already knew she and the red priest and everything. We already knew that they had magic that was real, that had kind of been a thing – Leading up to everyth- to this situation, I guess, because she was so wrong about Stannis, they needed to remind us that she was still magic, I guess. I don't know, but I, I, I obviously I get with her character, like, she doesn't usually sleep, so her going to sleep is a big deal anyway, and she takes off her magic necklace, which... It's probably kind of a tiresome thing to wear. She's just tired and old and she maybe has lost her faith and all that kind of stuff. Which right?
2: which to me was the point. She had lost her faith. Yeah, no, I,
4: but fine. But uh I I didn't think you had they had to do all I don't know, I just feel like it was a big thing to do to have her faith be completely restored the next episode.
2: ISIS, how did you feel about that big scene? And and I know before you before you before you get to Melisandra Tell me how – I've asked you this several times because we all know that Jon Snow is your buttercup. But uh, how did you feel opening that scene? Because I know in one of the podcasts you had kind of hoped that he would open his eyes and wake up in episode episode one. So how did you feel starting with Jon Snow cold and lying lying frozen out there in in Castle Black's yard and then being taken up to the room – and then finally at the big twist of Melisandre, what were your thoughts about that?
0: Okay, um, I thought that it took us a while to get to, you know, Jon Snow back to him. I mean, yes, we saw him and his body was laying there. And, yes, I hope that he was going to, you know, like his eyes would just open up, you know, some magic. I don't know, whatever. I just wanted him back immediately. And, um And it didn't happen that way, and I I was a little disappointed, but then I was like, okay, well, then maybe this is going to be where Melisandre is like, look at all this. I mean, because, you know, she's talked about all this power that she has, and only very few people have seen her power, Uh, one of them um, being Davos, who has seen her, you know, the ghosts come out of her Uh, (laughs) hoo-ha. But uh, I, I think that, you know, it would have been really cool if she would have been able to do that in front of everybody. And, and, and maybe they would have probably killed her. But uh, but I just I would think that would have been so cool. But then, you know, then she has to go through this thing that her faith has been, you know, questioned. You know, she's question has questions about her faith and all this and everything. At the end of the day, I'm OK with it now because we still got Jon Snow back. That's – if we wouldn't have gotten Jon Snow back, I would have been pretty pissed off. Would you Um, quit
2: watching the show had Jon Snow been taken out? You know, I I hate – This is a question I've never asked you, and I know you hate – because we've talked about other shows like this before. You and I talked about Outlander, and I was like, I don't know if they do this, the whole whole rape scene in the prison. I told you if I see that, I may not watch the show again. We've talked about that before, but taking Kit Harington out of Game of Thrones – is basically taking the Iron Throne out of Game of Thrones to, at this point, right?
0: Well, no, because I still feel like I had other players that I was rooting for. And I feel, I mean, I think, granted, you know, Jon Snow is a big part of why I watch this show, because he's my beautiful cinnamon roll. But <laughs> I feel like that there were, there's still other people that I can root for in, you know, in this quest for the Game of Thrones. You know, I still have Danny out there. Um <laughs> I will even say reluctantly, Sansa. Um, you know, I, I, there's still people out Brienne, there. Brienne,
2: your girl Brienne.
0: Well, Bri, well, I mean, she's not going to win the throne. I don't. Think, no, but, but she's going to be but a, a yes, But she's somebody that I care about the storyline. So, um, it's not one of those situations where had you know Outlander, which I absolutely love, um, had done something to the to the storyline with the main characters, I'd have been like, I'm done watching the show because they are the main characters i think game of, what game of thrones has done so well is that they have all these other storylines going on um that you know and you can have other people that you're rooting for to you know say hey well if this person dies or if this person something happens to them or whatever hey i got this other person that i'm really rooting for uh you don't, you're just not hinging your bets on just one person at right. least i'm not right uh you know, So I think that's okay, but that's also a problem that Game of Thrones has is that they have so many storylines going on out there that um, I feel like I think season five, it, it was really hard to kind of um, invest yourself in those storylines, whereas I think season six, they did a really good job of kind of starting to bring everybody's storylines together. And Dan, and so- let
2: me ask Dan a question. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Dan, let me ask you this. Uh, mm-hmm. ISIS brings up a good point about season five. I think do you do you think in season five they start is when they started the culling of characters? Uh, Stannis, Shireen, uh, obviously his wife wasn't that much of a player in the show, but Stannis and Shireen are gone. Um, so that's when the culling kind of started, right? And then you move into season six where everybody, you know, a lot of people die. Like half the Night's Watch are gone now, and the Battle of Bastards takes place. ramsey has gone. Roose is gone uh, Tommen's dead, uh, uh, Marcella's dead, all the sand, uh, well, not all the sand snakes, they're the ones that actually killed, uh, the other people in Doran, so, do you think this culling started towards the end of season five and just picked up in season six and just didn't stop?
3: Uh, no, I think in season five was kind of status quo, I mean, it did kill people, Stannis, you know, but, um, it also added people, it added the sand snakes, and it added Doran, which is what all the seasons have done. The are most season wasted three, character on TV. Yes, it is definitely true. Um, you know, like season three, it killed Catlin and Ra, but it added
2: add,
3: Misande and Grey Worm. And uh, season four boy. added Oberyn and it killed Joffrey. So I think season six, finally we got to a point where it's just killing people and not adding new ones. I think, so I, I think that that's part of the reason why it felt like it had as much momentum as it did. Okay. Because there was a real shift from building the world and kind of setting things up. To now tearing it down. Setting the pins up to <laughs> knocking the pins down.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that, that,
3: that's part of the reason this one, it, it felt more propulsive than maybe any of the other seasons.
2: I, don't want, I want to ask you one more question before I move on. Uh, okay. I've, I've heard <laughs> – you're popular tonight. Um I – I've heard a lot of people say this, uh, that Season 6 was pandering to the fans. Do you feel that way?
3: No. And um, the reason I feel like that is because pandering to me means that you give them what you... Like, that you give the fans what they want without earning it. Like, okay, so Season 6, it gave them a John Sansa reunion. It gave them a Stark reunion. But Mm -hmm. it had also put both those characters through living hell for the past five seasons. It wasn't just like they were snapped, they were together. Like, they had to go through it to get to that point. It killed Ramsay, but after he'd done terrible, horrible things for three seasons, it wasn't just like, he's bad and now he's dead. I, I, I think a lot of plots kind of came home this season, and they reached the point where they can start turning into something positive for the heroes. I only would say that it was pandering if it hadn't earned it, and in most cases, I think it was earned, because we had to go through the fire first, come on the other end of it.
2: I think we earned every, every great scene that was in season six was earned. I Uh, mean, there were a couple of scenes where it it messed up, but for the most part, I I think you're right. um, So, let's, Corey, I want to ask you this, Um, I've noticed this a lot lately, Um, and it's kind of, to me, this is all, this has happened to Game of Thrones quite a bit over the years, with more popularity, Uh, the more comparison it gets to other shows. But it really started happening in season six. I've written a lot of those articles. Um, What do you think about shows now being compared to Game of Thrones? Is this show the next Game of Thrones? Uh, Like, I'll give you a for instance. We have uh, Anne Rice uh, reviving the Vampire Chronicles and wanting to make it a show like Game of Thrones with vampires. Uh, We have Sci-Fi Channel who... The Sci-fi channel is actually up their game with a lot of great shows now, and so they have magicians season two coming back in January, and they want to compare how they're doing things with Game of Thrones, they even have a Ned Stark line in there. and And so now every new show is supposed to be Game of Thrones, and you being my, uh, my Americana TV expert, how do you feel about that?:
4: I think that's a mistake to try to compare just somebody either a viewer or i mean if the people that make the shows are saying we're the you know we're trying to model this after game of thrones then I, I really feel like they're doing themselves a disservice um yeah i mean game of thrones it certainly isn't without influence from countless tv shows and movies that have paved the way for it i mean hell the books are so directly influenced by things like tolkien and um you know, uh, actually, and stuff the like history that. as well, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and actual history. Yeah, I mean, it's like everything, everything's influenced by something else. I think that shows should look at Game of Thrones and say, let's look at how they handled this cast of this size and still kept people interested. People that maybe don't even remember the names of all the characters, even the big characters, but know the faces and know the story and they want to keep watching. I think that's important. But if you're going to tell me some show on sci-fi, it's the next Game of Thrones. Oh,
2: no, no. I'm just saying that's what people are saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, people
4: are me. dumb. People are dumb again, in, in, in these general. These are people that watch shows on sci-fi. So I, I watch shows
2: on sci-fi, damn you. Um wow. Listen, listen uh, I also want to compare this to – uh, I'm, I don't know if any of you guys have heard. If, I don't know if you even watched it, but I was a fan of Marco Polo on Netflix, and they've canceled it now, so there will no, be no more sh- episodes of Marco Polo. And I really enjoyed last season. It really got really good last season. They even had a holiday special uh, uh, about the monk, uh, however how many eyes he has. They had a holiday special. <laughs> they did. What they
4: learn? What they learn at the end of it? How to use a compass?
2: No, it, no, the- actually, actually, the holiday special for uh for that show was a bunch of weird looking Chewbaccas and some weird weird mind bending music and and uh, Harrison Ford really angry that he was there. The creator
4: know. of that show <laughs> has hidden the holiday special. Man. Yeah,
2: no, but it was it was a you know Marco Polo was a really good show in my opinion, and that show when it came out really 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 got compared to, to Game of Thrones because of where when it was set uh the action sequences horses swords knights warriors uh battle between uh different different um the the politics of running a land like that so um I, I think that I think that you
4: run into a, a lot of problems as a show creator let's say if as as a, as a as someone who would work in the creative field uh, trying to make the next something really sounds like a studio message to me and less of what the people that created it were saying. The the goal should be to make your own thing. And you know, you can wear your you can wear your influences on your sleeve and everything, it's fine. But people have been saying Oh, is Westworld gonna be the I was gonna the,
2: ask you about Westworld next.
4: Is Westworld gonna be the the next game of thrones and it's like i don't understand what you mean by that because granted they both have horses but <laughs> other than that there's not a lot of similarities
2: and you know uh, what I'll, I'll say this and, and then i i do enjoy interrupting you so i'm gonna do it again um okay, cool. uh, they in the original west world there was a medieval world and i'm so glad that uh is it jonathan nolan i believe is one of the writers <laughs> he said we're not doing a medieval world and I'm so glad he said that because if you have a show like Westworld who had a huge first season um and is so popular right now and has got so much buzz going into its second season which won't even show until 2018 um it's it's dangerous to play that game it's dangerous to say look we're the next we're the next game of thrones especially since game of thrones is going to be going off the air in 2 years and Westworld will have to be the I don't know the flagship, if the flag, the banner carrier for HBO, if they have to, but um, and so they avoided going to medieval world. They did show a Japan world where there were samurais and things like that, so that was pretty cool. But I don't know, Japan man. world—that's what everybody's uh, Japan. What else do you want to call it? Feudal Japan world. I don't, know, whatever. Anyway, uh, so yeah, it's dangerous to compare. Ultimately, that's the lesson we're learning here: don't compare yourself to Game of Thrones. Be your own show. And let, let your show be good on its own merits or bad and get canceled, right? I guess that's what we're kind of learning. Kind of like the bastard executioner that was on FX. Horrible show. Uh, horrible show. Horrible Wasn't very good. I didn't watch it. And, well, as uh,
3: called. you get a pretty good review when you wrote about it on Wix.
2: The first episode was good. The rest of it was absolutely garbage. Uh, so, um, moving on. Let's talk about some cool things that happened in Season 6. Because there were so many twists and turns. And I want to go straight to the door. I want to talk about that big reveal and how David Benioff and Dan Weiss, this was one of the big twists. Was it three, Dan? Am I talking – were the three twists? Yeah, so this three is, big twists. This is one of the three, three big F, twists.
3: Podor, and then something else.
2: Something we don't know about yet. So, Dan, walk us through um, mind-bending time travel that happened in the door.
0: Uh, that's... Uh, okay. okay.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> You're welcome, by the way. Thank you.
3: Um, well, if I describe the plot of what happened, uh, so they were in the cave, and the Knights King was coming with his army of whites, and uh, then the Three-Eyed Raven, because he can go into the future or the past or something, knew what was going to happen, what he had to do, so he took Bran back to Winterfell. Bran possessed... Cur- I hate doing this. Bran possessed <laughs> current Hodor... No, no, brand possessed young Hodor. current hodor through past hodor yes. in the past. There you go. Which made some kind of link between current hodor and past hodor. <laughs> I I don't know why it's necessary.
2: Because and it's then, it's so
3: weird how they did that and this is a Jack Bender see, episode. See, that was the big accomplishment. It's cuz when I try to describe it, I can't. I mean, I'll admit it. Like I I try to write about it too and it's just I don't I can't quite get the logic down. But right. the great thing about it was, on screen, it made sense. Like, it made sense on just a level that you didn't really need to think about it that much. You just knew that when Hodor was holding the door, current Hodor, and he had that lying to his past self, that's what messed him up. And
2: yeah.
3: he dies this time, and he's born the other time. And that's, that's why I think that episode was so, so good, because this, this story is twisty and ridiculous and full of sci-fi time travel nonsense. But it all came together because of how well it was paced and directed. And that was the big takeaway. And, of course, it had all the emotion in it, too. And they managed to bundle all that up into a big package and sell it. They sold the hell out of it. And that's why I think it was so successful. Is Bender coming back for
2: seven or not?
3: No. Uh, I just heard the commentary. He loves the show. I'm writing that big post for for you next week.
2: Awesome. Um, So I know Corey – we can't even talk about time time travel and, and things like that without Corey blowing a blowing a gasket. So
4: I'm not blowing a gasket. I'm just <laughs> saying
2: that the, the implications
4: there are gigantic, and the fact that there's only 13 episodes left makes me think that they are going to not be able to explain it worth a shit, and and I'm worried about that because it's going to be a huge black eye on the show. If- so wait, do, do you think that they didn't explain what happened with the
3: Hodor thing effectively?
4: No, no, what they explain with Hodor is, is the implication, is that is that Brandon, Bran, whatever, uh, Brand, Danowitz, that Bran can... Uh,
2: you use his full the, name when he's in trouble. Brandon.
4: Brandon. So Bran, basically he, by being in the past, uh, in the tree, using the, the link in with the tree, and then breaking from the link, LinkedIn? he had to he use...
2: He used LinkedIn.
4: If I swear to God, <laughs> if, if you bring up Zanga, I'm going to log off. No, so he, he broke from the tree, but he was able to still be jacked into the past. And he did it through Hodor, I guess, or through whatever his powers could link. keep that link going from as he got further and further away from the tree and from everything else.
2: Basically, Hodor and, was his wireless connection.
4: Yeah, and so his connection, as you said, Dan, through Hodor, is what mentally incapacitated young Hodor right in front of Ghost Brand, meaning, <laughs> and it looked to me like Ghost Brand could see or was being seen by Hodor, even. Yeah, I, Hodor. I noticed that absolutely. And and then at the end, Hodor was no longer Hodor. He was Willis. Is the implication to me as well that like there was a loop there, and at the end it was Willis holding the door, not Hodor. But regardless, the fact that. Brand can, in fact, alter the past. Well, they already hinted at it when the young father and uh, and young Ned turned around. Now we've seen him change Brand, uh, and, and whether it's a loop or not doesn't matter. It, future Brand changed past Brand. I mean, changed past Hodor. Right, he did it. Mm-hmm. So did. the implications of that are that time is not. It either is an endless loop, so everything is predetermined and it's already happened, very Vonnegut style, or that time can be altered, which is back to the future style, which (laughs) is just a a completely complicated thing to walk down. And, of course, it's led to these theories that Bran is like Bran the Builder or that Bran drove the Mad King crazy or all these things, which are a lot of fun to talk about. But but I mean again, that really complicates this story. It
3: really does. does. It go, I mean, because those are theories. But does it have to go any further down? I don't see why it has to engage with
4: it.
2: Well, the thing—the thing, the, the thing that gets me—the
4: thing, I guess, for me going forward now, I feel like I've taken up ISIS's time to talk. I'm really sorry. Is
2: um, I'm going to her next, so keep talking. Okay. Is that to
4: me? It seems like they're setting up for. At least in my mind, for Brand to get past the wall is probably going to fall behind him or whatever. He's going to get to Winterfell, and they're going to have to use their forces at Winterfell, whoever it, they are at that point. I don't know when this actually happens, but that brand's going to, you know, plug his ox cord into the, the <laughs> red face tree in Winterfell, whatever it's called, and the weirwood tree, the, the weirwood tree, and use that to try to find ways in the past that they stopped the white walkers to try to find answers throughout history he might alter history in the process he might find out that he has to start a series of events that lead to him getting paralyzed and his parents dying and everything because it's the only way that he can that the white walkers will be stopped because you know if ned lives and this happens you know butterfly affected please don't use the butterfly effect don't use that movie to ruin the effect because the effect is interesting the movie sucks but Bran might have to witness all of history again I don't know but at this point his powers of altering the past or at least changing things are so powerful you have to assume it's going to come back and and wouldn't you know it there's a wildwood tree what are they called weirwood weirwood tree wildwood flower weirwood tree uh, in his home backyard. Right. So I think that that's going to play a big part of it. And I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think they're going to keep using that narrative device. But
3: I mean, it, it does make sense. They'll try to do something because they set it all up. I also thought is he screwed it? He screwed up Hodor. Maybe he knows not to mess around with time now. Maybe so. Or but less or just, or just the fact that you know it, it, they did the Hodor thing very well. I thought. That it was, it was beautiful if, if, that, that if they can if there's like maybe one more important time wobbly thing that they can do it as well as that okay Doctor Who it should be okay time you want me that to... is a good go to when you're talking <laughs> about this kind of crap it really is
4: here's what's gonna happen when this dragon hits 88 miles an hour <laughs> you're gonna, you're
2: gonna the <laughs> to the dragon Marty alright uh, Isis I have a question for you um Talking about Bran and his weirwood visions, we got to see some cool things like Jamie Lannister killing the Mad King and uh, your your baby boy being born in the Tower of Joy. Uh, so, do you think obviously, I have an opinion. I think it was, it was perfect. It was effective. But I haven't asked you. I, in all the podcasts, we've talked about it. Do you think it was an effective way to tell the story?
0: Oh, yes. Absolutely. I felt the Going back in time was um, was really great. Um, granted, they could have talked about it, but it wouldn't have punched up that whole season uh, like it did if it did if they didn't show it to us. Uh, especially, we've already established that you know. Um, Things have been said before, like, for example, um, Ned Stark, you know, he did all these things and then come to find out they really didn't happen that way. It was really great to go ahead and get a like a first person perspective of what really occurred um, instead of just getting, you know, backstory from so and so from, you know, cousin or whatever or, you know, Littlefinger or whatever. It was really great just to kind of see it that way. It kind of. Uh, eliminated any like well we don't know for it, it for that to be true or not blah 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 no we know it's true we know that you know we know who Jon Snow, his you know who his parents are um, we know why uh, Jamie killed the Mad King because he was really really mad he was really crazy and um, and so I feel like it great gave a great context of of you know hey you you were in that moment with us. Um, you know exactly what's going on, and uh, I, I think it was just really necessary. Not only that, but it gave us such great actors this year. Some some great uh, youth actors it that really came did. on the show. Uh, just amazing, uh, you know, from the young Ned Stark and um, uh, Ned's oh, sister Warma. and Jamie, and all of that. I mean, Mormont oh, was, was amazing. Uh, it, oh, and the other one was um, young um, Hodor.
2: Yeah, uh, he, really, he knocked his scene out of the park. He had one, he had one big chance in the spotlight, and they talked about that scene forever. So,
0: oh my I mean, gosh, it was the most talked about episode for you know, well, until the next week. But I mean, it was Everybody <laughs> for about a whole it. week. It, yeah. it really was, because it was just one of those heart-tugging moments. You, you know, you just, you love the little simple uh, simpl- simpleton. And, uh, and then, you know, then for this to happen, and it all puts everything together, like, you know, this puzzle piece, uh, for years that we've been kind of talking about it, uh, why he's like that, and whatever the case may be. So I just, I felt like it was a great way um, to kind of change up uh what was going on. I don't think we had seen We've only had one back. flash
2: we had one in season five
0: is when Cersei saw Maggie right. the Frog. And right. that was that and- was the only one we had. And that was in the first episode of the season, too, because mm-hmm. that was the I think that was the opening part of, yeah, the of open. that season, so you know we had opened up to there, and I think they kind of tested the waters to see you know how fans were going to react, and man, did they dive full in and it was just wonderful. Another reason why I felt like this this season or this past season uh was so great because they had done things that they really had not ex- explored before
2: mm. dan um. The fight at the Tower of Joy, one of the better fights in the entire series.
3: Oh, sure, it was definitely fun. I mean, it was yeah, it was a good time.
2: Fun, I mean, but it was didn't... it one of the better? Was it one of the better fights because we got to see, um, you know, Arthur Dayne take on almost all of Ned Stark's guys by himself, pretty much at one point. And we've seen great fights. We've seen duels and, and fights. We've seen uh, Jamie and and, and Brienne. As they, on the road to King's Landing, go at each other. That was a pretty or fun in the fight. Mound,
3: over and Yes. The mountain. Was,
2: oh, oh, obviously the you know the the mountain and the viper. That was amazing. Uh, so, where do you think the Tower of Joy? Off the top of your head, where do you think the Tower of Joy fight ranks in the the fights that we've seen? Not uh, ca- uh, not counting uh, uh, wars. Uh, three, third, Three. three, four,
3: three.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, God damn it, you and Bone! I should have known I mean, better. that's
3: that's that's just a good thing for a list sometime. Coming yeah. soon. Top ten one
2: on one fights. Well, I know what I'll be writing on Wick while you're gone. Anyway, anyway, um so we got we got a lot of flashbacks this season that opened our eyes to a lot of things. We also got clues in Brand's final flashback. I think it was his final flashback of the season, to the cache of wildfire um, underneath King's Landing that we all knew was there because of Tyrion during the, the uh, battle for Blackwater Bay. Um Let's let, let me ask you Isis Cersei blowing up the great sept of Baelor and in one fell swoop taking out all of her her rivals and enemies except for Elena because she wasn't there. Um again, is this even though the show is is starting to bring everybody together and pairing down characters was this a good move? Killing everybody in one shot? Um, you're taking out characters that people kind of hoped would be around for a while, like maybe Marjorie or Loras or whatever. Or for me personally, uh, you know, I, I wanted I wanted uh, what's his name, Ashen Griffith, Lord uh, Mace Tyrell. Lord Mace Tyrell. God, my mind just went blank. I wanted him around forever because I wanted him to sing me to sleep every night. But um, so, what do you think about that? Was that an effective way to just get? I mean, obviously, it was effective. But did it go over well with you?
0: You know, it actually did, and uh, and I'm not by any means. Of course, I'm not rooting for Cersei. I don't. I think she's a despic- despicable woman, but she made the most out of an opportunity, and it was very, very Cersei like. Um, so, yeah, absolutely, it made sense for the storyline, and, and and I'm a Marjorie fan. So, you know, to see Marjorie go, it, I hated seeing. Uh, but it really did make sense to tighten up the storyline to get things moving on. I was totally on board with it. Um, so yeah, I think it made total sense. But yeah, I can see where you you know you you wanted to have Loris's uh, storyline fleshed out a little bit more, like I did. it was in the books, uh, where you didn't get that. So you know, for the, for you, I know understand that that you didn't get that. Um, that you know, feeling of gratification to kind of get him back to where he was before, uh, or at least to a point where he was in the books. But I think for for the storyline, I think it makes total sense uh, for Cersei to go ahead and do that. It tightens up the storyline. It starts basically kind of moving things ahead because this is going to prompt um, uh, Marjorie's mother, a uh, grandmother, to go ahead and create an alliance with. Uh, the sand snakes and and Dorn and everything like that. So I, I absolutely thought it was probably the the perfect time to go ahead and do that, uh, and st- especially since we're having such abbreviated seasons for the next two seasons. And that so, was yeah. such
2: an amazing episode, all all, all through
0: from the music top, from top to the bottom. Top the music, bottom. yeah, the music. Oh, man, I still get chills thinking about it. About the music, about the the weight of the whole episode. Because you knew some heavy things were going to happen, and there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue um, going on. You know, I mean, I guess when they were in the in the sept, they were there was dialogue. Even
2: then, it was it was abbreviated. It was just it basically was, getting was,
0: through things. It was just it, they let the acting, you know, do the talking and the music and everything, just kind of create this uh, weight. You know, anxiety on your back that you just were wanting more and more and more, and it was just absolutely spectacular. Dan, and, and
2: the- I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to finish?
0: Oh no, I was just going to okay. say the music was absolutely. I crazy. still,
2: I still put that on sometimes when I'm writing just to listen to it. it helps It's really that <laughs> a beautiful piece of music. Um, Dan, uh, when we saw Daenerys, um, trick a bunch of calls this season in season six, and then. Walk unscathed out of a fire, Um, and now we know that she is completely impervious to flame. Uh, Anyway, this comes back, that that comes back around in the final two seasons, maybe, you know, that that stupid leak that says, you know, one of her dragons gets, gets switched sides to the Night King. Does maybe this show something that could be happening in the future? Are we talking Danny's impervious to fire, so maybe she's the ultimate weapon against everybody? I don't know. Um, But that scene was so powerful. Do you think that we'll get anything else like that again from her?
3: I'd be disappointed if they use the fire thing again, honestly. Okay. Um, I thought it was a good scene. I thought the burning couch was a good scene. I think that's the last time they can get away with it. Season 6 for me, for Daenerys, played like Daenerys's greatest hits. It was. It, was, it was, you know, the bring Down the Cows recalled the sack of Astapor when she killed all the slavers. Mm-hmm. It, recalled the burning, it recalled when she walked out of the fire in Season 1 because she was unburned. And then her big Season Episode 6 finish where she was on the dragon and gave the big speech recalled Drogo's big speech back in Season 1. You know, going to Marine and fucking it up recalled the sack of Astapor. So it was like. It was like every cool thing from Essos was being referenced and repeated. I hope that she gives us some new notes in uh, the final couple of seasons.
2: Uh, Corey phone. do you think we're able to get that from this character? New notes from, from Daenerys? Uh, it seems like a lot of the complaints coming from fans is that she's uh, a one-trick pony. Like she only has one monotone, a monotone voice, one facial expression. And her story is basically, I'm the rightful queen, get out of my way, I have dragons. Do we get, or you think we'll get a little bit more in-depth character in Season 7? Or it, And if they don't, is it a mistake?
4: Oh boy. Um, so, I hope we get more from her, but I'm not confident that we do. I think there is an interesting dynamic that's waiting to unfold between her and Jon Snow about... Um, Gosh, I mean, not only is he a Targaryen, that's a whole different thing. Right. But just his kind of populist rise to power from being a bastard to being king of the north. And uh, <laughs> I think when they meet, she's going to probably have some respect for him, at least in that regard. Plus, as Isis will verify, he's handsome. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just... She hasn't shown more than that. Like, I'm not going not gonna to lie, I don't understand the nominations for her for a lot of things. I think that some of her biggest moments and speeches have been cheesy, almost cringy, in their uh, just delivery. Oh, wow. okay. I, I honestly think that she is a good actress for uh, the stage, but I do not see her becoming a movie person. Really, wow, and i i don't think I don't think she's been knocking her out of the park in Game of Thrones
2: ever yeah, uh, I think
3: because i mean uh, I think of all of them she is the biggest most successful movie star to date,
2: yeah, she is she's sure
3: in what in me before <laughs> you. In I don't know now, know Star it is. Wars, Terminator. Terminator. I mean, she's someone she, who actually she has Wars? movie
2: hits. She's going to be in the Han Solo film, yeah. I,
4: ah, well, see. That doesn't make me even more excited for the Han Solo movie, <laughs> but and Terminator was an epic failure.
3: Yeah, it was true. Before you was like you know a lighter thing. So she's sure. actually someone who actually has had hits, though. I'm saying, like John sure. Snow has had no hits. No. not
4: no and I don't I don't know if any of the people on Game of Thrones are necessarily going to become the next big action star or something like that like, I
3: don't either God. but honestly I think she might have the best chance well I mean obviously, yeah because
4: she's hot but like I mean honestly I haven't seen me before you but and, I, and obviously I haven't seen the Han Solo thing yet but I I don't get it I'm just saying I don't get it
0: well you know I like got, I'm gonna, I'm gonna side with Thone here. And and I actually agree with him, and not and I love Danny. Everybody knows I'm down with Danny, uh, but I'm going to agree with him that Cersei, as far as the actress that plays her, is so much better. Like it, it's on a different level. Like you look at her and you actually like you kind of go. You know, if I met her in a grocery store, you know, just doing my shopping and shit, she would probably scare the shit out of me. <laughs> now, Danny, on the other hand, I would be like, "Hey, let's take a selfie." And uh, and the girl who plays Cersei, I would probably like, you know, go on another aisle or something because she would probably freak me out, and even though I know she's not real and and you know, it's a it's a character. She Lena, and the,
2: but to be fair though, Lena Headey has way more experience than uh, yeah, she and does. America Clark
4: and I think I think Amelia Clark will benefit. From not being cast in giant blockbusters, which apparently is not happening, she'll benefit more from uh, doing movies like the one Dan referenced. It was a lighter fare. I mean, you can't just jump romantic into romantic comedy. Yeah, well, I, well, I mean, I, talk about me before you. I never thought
3: I would discuss it before you this month. I don't even know what the movie <laughs> is. I can't speak to it at all. I, all I
2: know is that
0: there's a guy in a wheelchair, and she's supposed to be taking care of him. That's all I know. But I think I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, right? like, like, and it's a, it's a chick flick. I mean, let's just be honest. It's a, it's a chick flick, and and maybe they're trying to line her up to be, you know. Uh, you know, a, a new sweetheart, movie sweetheart, or whatever the case may be.
3: She's the um, killer Julia Roberts.
0: Yes, there you go. She's <laughs> the next Julia Roberts. Um, but I just feel like that, you know, when you go ahead and you're looking at nominations for Golden Globes and and all these other things that are coming out, and you have uh, Leanna and you have her side by side, I'm going to go ahead and go with Leanna every day. I mean, Leanna. Lena, yes. you say
2: Liana. Uh, I keep thinking of Liana Mormon. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, I agree, girl, I agree, Lina, Sorry, no, yeah. Um, and
0: I, I just, <laughs> I've had a couple of drinks. Um, so shocker. I, I just go ahead. Shocker, yeah, shocker. Um, so I just feel like you know, I, I agree with Thone there. It, it just makes no sense to kind of put her in, you know, beside. Well,
4: uh, and and I'll say this too, Isis. I think earlier in the show, in seasons one, two, three, that that era it it hadn't become her almost expected shtick yet and and I think she did a great job in those first few mm-hmm. seasons of playing that character of the the, the rise from being the downtrodden sister, everyone to describe it, to that prick to where she became by you know the end of season three or so where I can't really remember what season it was where she kind of hit that first big peak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm post Drago, like guy. post, yeah, post Drago. Post, I mean, all that—that that was a good build, and she did. But since then, she has been stagnant to me as a character, and I think part of it is her delivery and her style of acting. But I that think, doesn't mean I, won't work and other stuff. Um,
2: I think her yeah. problem, her problem on the show, and Dan as a book reader, I think it's it's marrying. When they got to Marine, she she became her character from the books, and she set and ruled a city that she had no business sitting in and ruling. So it became extremely boring her storyline, and that's where a lot of the complaints from fans were like, "Why do I even care about Marine scenes? Because they're so boring." They killed Officer Barristan. Why do I hate this show now. I hate I hate Danny. <laughs> like like these are the kind of things that people were saying, and I. To me last season I actually enjoyed some of her her speeches like uh, I think Amelia Clark delivers that Dothraki speech the guttural language very well and um, it you know it can get the blood pumping the way she she like she could be a good speaker to me I, you know maybe if she was a leader of a military I don't know whatever but she's I, I think I think she's um, criminally I, I, don't, I don't know the word I'm looking for criminally Criminally cast. <laughs> all going to jail. For P- people, people talk a lot of trash about her, and I think, I think it's really – and I get what you guys are saying, and I completely understand what you're saying, Thone. I just think that Mia um, Clark has delivered the big speeches that she needed to deliver quite well. Think of the, the Broken Will speech. I thought that was a great speech in Season 5 when she met uh, Tyrion. Um, and then, of course, now that you have Season 6 where Drogon's now her basically her mount – she's flying him around everywhere and she gets the Dothraki all charged up. I know a lot of people thought that was a cheesy scene, but I enjoyed it. And uh and then of course, you know, in the Battle of the Bastards whenever at the beginning of the Battle of the Bastards when we were in Meereen and she's talking to the to the masters and she's oh this isn't a this isn't a discussion. You're supposed to be surrendering to me. I thought that was delivered quite well, but I can see where we're all split on her uh on her if I can weigh in just
3: before I yeah, have yeah. I'm more with you, David. I I, I am. I, I think she's a good actress. I, I like I think the best thing she does is give speeches in foreign languages. I, I do agree <laughs> though it's that an that I her, character yes. but like like that's her specialty. Like, that her character has been stagnant for a while. And I think where the hope that she'll hit new notes is coming from is she's going into a new circumstance. Like she was to Marine, it's over. She's going to a new part of the story, and that gives me hope she could sound new notes. I think acting-wise, she's more than capable of that. I just think, can the story go there? And I have hope now that they're moving it along and she's doing this thing we've been waiting for to do for a long time, it will have new notes. And think of the possibilities
2: of her acting with the other characters from Game of Thrones that she hasn't done. In the entire series, she's not mingled with the the people in Westeros, so it's going to be an amazing thing to see. And I I hope she lives up to it. I think
3: one new note they're probably going to explore is the notion of her being crazy
2: or touches of her dad. The Mad Queen theory. And uh, I I, I hope she can knock it out of the park. I do too. I think if they're going to go Mad Queen, go full Mad Queen. Let her burn everybody. I don't care. It wouldn't bother me one bit. But if she's not going to do it, I don't want to see a wishy-washy like, oh no, should I do it or should I not? oh no, Tyrion made me feel bad, I'm not going to do it anymore, but then I'm going to lose my temper and I'm going to go ahead and do it. Like, I don't want the wishy-washy crap. I either want her to go full Mad Queen or to be a wise and gentle r- ruler with Tyrion, listening to Tyrion's advice. That's what I want, basically. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, So, uh, Isis, you brought up a point I wanted, to, I wanted to touch on when you were talking. Uh, Award ceremonies. Um, and I'm going to go to each one of you, and I'm going to ask you, who do you think out of the cast was <laughs> was robbed the most by either not being nominated or not winning their award? And I'll start – we talked about it uh, – I talked about it a little bit today um, when I was writing a piece for Wick. Alfie Allen for Theon Greyjoy um, just – I don't, I don't understand how you can't give that guy an award for what he did last season, and even even a little bit in season five. But he's always had great range. His facial expressions, um, his act, his acting the way he does, the way he gets into his part. If he's angry, you can you know he's got all these range of emotions that he does a great job with. And then of course my my personal favorite, uh, and I'm probably gonna butcher his name, Iwan Ryan. Ian Rion. Anyway, uh, it's really hard you don't to get say. to pick I two. two. Well I can three. pick two because this is my podcast. goddammit. it! <laughs> you literally took my two. Ah, uh, well, you can still give me your reasons why you think they that. Uh, no, you finished. Finish your rambling ass. Anyway, Ramsey Ramsey Bolton in season six was a perfect villain. They didn't even have to show him that much at all. He was only in a few scenes, and the scenes he was in. He, the spotlight was firmly on him, and no one was able to take it away. Even when he was with his father, Roose Bolton, when when he killed him, you know, Roose was a popular character, and Ramsey killed him. And the whole time, all eyes and all ears were on Ramsey and what he was going to do and what he was going to say. From the first time we see him in the season with, um, what's your name, the, the body of his girlfriend, and he's like feed her to the dogs. That's still good meat. And then, you know, taunting Jon Snow at... Is it
0: Jenny? Jenny Poole?
2: No, no, you're thinking of Jane Poole. What was her name, Dan? What was but, it?
0: Oh,
3: Miranda.
2: Was it Miranda? Okay, was yeah, it Mar- but,
3: but spelled Yeah, but Samantha.
2: Yeah. Spelled stupid.
3: Carrie. Spelled with, like, three <laughs> wives.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, he had so many great scenes, and then, like I said, at the parlay, taunting Jon Snow, only referring to him as a bastard... And then, although it was sad that Recon died, the fact that he was no-look shooting his arrows was just classic villain badassery from Ramsay. And as much as of a dick as he was as a character, I'm going to miss him, and I feel like uh, he was robbed of not even getting nominated. So, uh, Corey, since you and I have the same ones, I'll let you stew on it for a minute. Isis, <laughs> who do you think uh, got robbed?
0: I, I'm going to say Bella. Bella Ramsey for me. Oh. Um, Layana Mormont, I thought, brought such a, for me, and I'm, I'm just speaking for myself, I when she came on the screen, I was excited. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what is she going to do? What is she going to say? What is she going to, like, what's her face going to do? Because she just had a way of, like, completely dismissing you with just a look. And I absolutely was here for it. And um, so I really felt like she should have gotten some kind of nod, as far as like a guest star nod or something like that. She did not. Um, and then I'm I'm gonna do two. Can I do two? Yeah. Am I gonna get Do two? it. Do it. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! I cannot remember his name now. It just blinked. I had his his name on there. Um. John oh my God! Deadwood, shit. Ian uh, McShane. Ian McShane. Ian McShane did not get no- nominated for guest star. Yeah, and um, that's one and- that
4: legitimately was a guest star. So that was a good <laughs> no. one.
0: Yes, he was. He was on one or two episodes, I guess. One. Two episodes. That's the one. It was just, just the just one. one. Okay. So he <laughs> lived and died in one episode, and um, and I absolutely love like his delivery, and and it, which is his thing. I mean, there's. There's very few people who can give a monologue that is fucking outstanding like he can. Not currently, no. And he delivers it just perfect, just absolutely perfect. And he came and he did what he needed to do, and then he was gone. And I felt like he was kind of, you know, him not getting the nod uh, was kind of messed up. Um, If anybody should have gotten a nod, I think he should have. And and he didn't, Uh, but I would have liked to see um, Leanna Mormont uh, get a little bit of of love, even if it was like People's Choice or something. I mean, I I think, you know, saying that, okay, you know, she get her a Golden Globe or whatever, the that's a little bit much. But but as far as like People's Choice Awards, I, I don't know of many people who talked about a new character on the show as much as she was talked about.
2: Dan, you edited all of our posts. You still do. Uh, wasn't she prob- She was probably the most talked about character of the season, right? Oh, sure, the breakout star, no doubt. It was Septa
3: Unella last year was the breakout star, and this year is Anna Mormon. right? Or the angry shame nun,
2: <laughs> Nurse Ratchet nun. Um, yep. So, Dan, who do you think got robbed out of season six?
3: All right. Um, I listen to this podcast every week. Um, Oh, you poor bastard. Why? He has to. He has to. I have to. I have to make sure you don't say anything horrible that I have to warn the readers about. Um, And sometimes I have to edit things. Um, So I I know this is going to be a bit of a controversial statement, but I'm just going to say it. I think Sophie Turner should have been more acknowledged by some awards body. If Macy Williams is already nominated, I think Sophie Turner I would have rather Sophie Turner been nominated. I think she has – been doing good work for a long time, and I thought she added a lot of new notes to Sansa this year. She perfected the go-on-get-a-girl-cold-stank face this year. Used that in a lot of good scenes. <laughs> I loved her in the scene in the Winterfell Rampart with Jon. I loved her in the argument she had during the Battle of the Bastards. She said, I'm not going back there alive. I thought she played the naked emotion of meeting Jon again well in uh, the fourth episode. Mm-hmm. I thought she's grown to a point where she's learning to convey a lot of what's going on inside her mind. But because science has been so put upon throughout the past five years, it's all happening inside. She doesn't say what she means anymore, even less than she does. And, she, and I think she's gotten very, very good at that. I thought she did really good work this year. I wish she would have not made it.
2: Let me ask you this. Best uh, Sophie Turner scene, was it her walking away from Ramsey being eaten by the dogs and that coy smile? Yeah, I mean, that
3: was definitely the most mic-dropping moment. By the or, way, again, or i this listening these commentaries now. When she rides away, it's not Sophie Turner. It's not even a person. It is a CGI horse on a person.
2: That's funny. So she had two mic-drops that, epi- that episode. One was, you're going to die tomorrow, Lord Bolton. And the other one was, as he's being eaten by his dog, she's walking away. And they mm-hmm. said it took several takes to get her to get the right, just the right smile. But when she did it, they knew exactly that that was the one that we're going to use. Uh, so yeah, I, I get it. Sophie Turner has stepped up her game and she has the problem of playing a character that is not well loved within the fandom. In fact, Almost near hatred for for Sansa with many people because I think that's true. I think there's near hatred on this podcast for Sansa. Well, I th- I'm well, not it-
3: sure if that's true <laughs> of the fandom at War.
2: Go through the pages of Reddit, you'll see it. It's because it's and, and basically it comes from a lot of a lot of book readers and some Leagues don't like her either. But a lot of book readers don't like her because of the character, not because of Sophie Turner, but because of Sansa. Because they feel like it's all her fault. Everything that's happened to the Starks. It's ridiculous. But. It's 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 ridiculous to a point, but she, you know, she she did rat her dad out. <laughs> she ratted him out to, to Cersei, but he was stupid anyway. It was Ned Stark's exactly. fault. are a uh,
3: ton of people who contributed to that. Yeah, so exactly. Point out any one of them and say that it's their fault. That's
4: Sansa it. Sansa is the is the hurt of you know hurt from the wire. Sansa oh. is that in Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's not her fault, but she didn't help shit. But I will say this, I agree that this last season, Sophie Turner stepped her game up, and uh, two things, Dan, one, I think next season she does get nominated, probably, because I think this season, well, you know what, I say that, but didn't Annie say this next season won't be eligible for any type of Emmys or anything? It will
3: be, just not next year's Emmys. It'll be eligible for the Emmys after.
4: Okay. I think this next season, I think that it's gonna be a Sophie heavy season. She's gonna make some moves, gonna have to see that. And I think because here's the thing, I think Maisie was nominated because her story arc, which took three seasons basically, of her running in the wilderness and everything, kinda came to a head and she did a great job of growing with that character and turning it turning, you know, uh, Arya into something pretty special, even though some of the stuff she had to do was dumb. Uh, and I think Sophie's going to be in that same boat. But second follow-up question, there were three women from Game of Thrones nominated for Outstanding Sporting Actress last season. Which one would you take off and put Sophie Turner up there for? Daisy Williams. Really? Because I would do Amelia Clark.
3: Oh, oh yes. I, I forgot she was there. Oh, <laughs> um, did you name it? Either to, one of them would yeah. be okay, I guess.
4: I agree. actually agree with what you're saying. I think that you could take both of them off, and, and if they would just put Sophie Turner and Lena Headey, I'd have been fine with it.
2: <laughs> so, every, so the thing is, everybody loves Macy Williams because she's a bright personality in real life. Well, I think she's great. I, I, don't saying, want, I don't want to make an impression do No, think I know. I, I get. I understand that. No, I get it. I, what I'm trying to say is this: here's the thing about Macy Williams. They could have taken Arya's storyline in Braavos and done it in about four episodes in season four or five. So, that's well, bet.
0: Can, can I chime in here real quick? Yeah. Uh, I just, okay, so this is my impression of it, okay, Uh, I will agree with everybody that Sophie Turner did an amazing job last season, Uh, she really brought it home as far as, you know, those emotional moments, I feel like when uh, Maisie Williams and Sophie Turner both started on the show, even though they were both new actors, Sophie Turner was at a big disadvantage, as far as her acting ability. Not saying that she's a bad actress, but when she was playing side by side by someone like Maisie Williams, you could really see a, a stark, a, a stark, a, a, a very big contrast of, of their acting ability. And then, you know, you kind of see how Maisie Williams, you know, she just kept on going and kept on going. And her, her storyline got very interesting, whereas Sansa was just like, it was doom and gloom. Like you were like, oh God, you know what else is going to happen to this girl? I really don't even want to see her on the screen because something bad is going to happen to her. I would li- I would literally
2: um, cringe every time I came to the Sansa scene. I was it, like, here
0: it, we go because you were just like it was just horrible. It was always something horribly bad was going to happen. Um, and then Sophie Turner started taking some movie roles, some doing some TV work and everything. And I feel like her acting ability has just grown, and it's at the level of you know, uh, Maisie Williams, and and uh, the the girl who plays uh, Mormont, and uh, Theon, I mean, it, it's just getting better and better and better, but I feel like when she started the show, she was, you know, first of all, she was had a character who didn't have very many redeeming qualities, and then her acting ability just wasn't, you know, up to par, and that's no... Of her own. Well, think, think, think about this. Think
2: about what Sophie Turner's had to go through in six seasons—not her character, but her as an actress. Okay, she started off um, playing second fiddle to her siblings at, at Winterfell, and then she had to play second fiddle to Jack Gleason, Joffrey, and and then after that, it was—you know—she uh, had to play second fiddle to uh, Marjorie Tyrell. Uh, what's her name? Anyway, she had to play second fiddle to her she, and Lena Headey. She was always around bigger actors who, who had the spotlight on them. And so she really didn't get a lot of credit because how can you shine when you're playing right next to Peter Dinklage as his, uh, you know, his bride? So, I mean, there were so many scenes that happened from one to six. I'd say six where she broke out. So one to five where she was right next to a better actor that was leaps and bounds better than she was. Think about her time with Littlefinger. Um, every time he's on – every time uh, Aiden Gillen's on the scene is – it, is it, am I pronouncing that right? Is it Aiden Gillen? Maybe. I think so. I hope I am. <laughs> um, and every time he's, on, every time he's on, the, on the screen, I pay attention because I want to hear what Littlefinger has to say. You know, here comes the smart guy. Here comes the master manipulator. I feel like he's
4: kind of sexist.
2: <laughs> well, and I was getting to my point, my sexist point, I guess, is that Sansa of- learned from him, and that's what I want to see in season seven: is how much did she actually learn from Peter Baelish? Did she learn to play the game, or is she still going to be that silly little girl? And that's what I want to find out in season seven. But let's let's move off of Sophie Turner. Phone, did you ever get any other characters that or actors that you wanted to talk about that you thought were robbed?
4: Rory McCann.
2: Roy, Rory Ooh. McCann. Okay. Best McCown, story? I think uh
4: well I, and the thing is I know he's he wasn't in the show enough this last season to be nominated. It's really more about the season where he rode around with Maisie Williams. Oh, of course. And then ended up getting his ass kicked by uh Brienne. I thought that that season him and first off, working with talented actors is what makes actors better. Uh, that's that's something that I, I think one of the biggest reasons that Maisie Williams' character has developed like it has and also her as an actor is because she's worked with someone like Rory McCann, who they played off each other so well uh, with such an insanely awesome dynamic that if you have told me in season one or two, hey, you know, uh, Arya and the Hound are going to ride around for a whole season and it's going to be amazing. You're going to wish for a spinoff. You know, called like <laughs> Tiny and the Wolfhound or something, and they try to they solve crimes in like South, San Francisco. But like any chicken, any chickens, yeah. Uh, but they bed and breakfast. They run up <laughs> <laughs> grizz but there's uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I truly that season he was robbed of a best supporting actor nomination, I think, because he really carried those scenes and, and helped make her character so good while also adding so much depth to the Hound, a character that was so very shallow up until that season. He really was the guy scared of fire that's a giant. Like, we had seen him do awesome things. He was a great fighter. He had the great scene on the beach with, with the with the, the fire coming at yeah. him and everything and him running away. But, like, that, seriously, it wasn't that deep of a character it changed everything to where we were legitimately sad to see him go, thinking that he died at the bottom of that ridge or whatever. And, uh, you know, that final scene with him and Arya was great. I, I think that that season he was robbed of a nomination.
2: And there were so many great lines from that season from her. and uh, Every
4: episode, those like two the, had a back and forth that was like, worthy of it. It's really a-
2: amazing, too, because,
3: like, it, in, in abstract, it's just – not a lot happens with those no, scenes. With those people really. like almost nothing. It's just them. Like if, if, if that's the kind of thing that could be really boring and really awful if not done that charismatically. Like hello Dorn, hugely. hello Dorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like it, it's just before. them because nothing yeah. happens. It's, it's exactly. like the plot doesn't move forward. It's just them.
4: And, and I think that it. I mean, honestly, Dorn more happened in Dorn than happened with Arya and the Hound. But more story was told with Arya and the Hound than happened Dorn, and it was told better.
2: Absolutely, and like I said, some of the lines from each episode they were in, like "the fucks a lomi? that was a great one, <laughs> and then and then the whole back and forth about naming the sword. I can't repeat the word they said there, but only so, only so and so's name their sword, and then uh, you know, and then when he's in he's in the uh, in the bar and he's eating chickens, and he's like, if you don't shut your mouth. I'm gonna eat every fucking chicken in this room. I mean, and then and then him taking her to the bloody gates where the in the veil, and he she and, and, and she just starts laughing. That's one that that is absolutely out of the entire series one of my favorite scenes because it's so like it, it feels organic. It's so awesome, and you're right. I think that her playing beside uh, Arya – Macy Williams playing next to Rory McCann absolutely, absolutely made her better. And for, as far as season six goes, Rory McCann had had some great scenes because, you oh, know. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, like. And but was, he wasn't
4: he wasn't in it enough to get an act. He no. wasn't in it enough to get a nomination for a supporting actor, and he was more than a guest actor, so I'm kind of a cop-out. But since you took two, I'm going to pick someone from the season before.
2: <laughs> well, you got your revenge. Good job, good sir. So, um let's let's all go around real quick let's let's close out season six uh, Dan if you had to pick uh out of the ten episodes, which one was your favorite episode it has to be it can't be like uh oh, maybe this it has to be one episode that's set out to you has to be your favorite episode of the season oh no, it's fine it's the winds of winter the finale uh easy pick yes obviously yeah. okay why
3: because a ton of Plots kind of reach their zenith, their climax. And I thought a, a lot of them were just depicted extremely well. I mean, we've already gone over it, but that sept explosion scene, 20 minutes, not a lot of dialogue, cared by music, cared by acting, cared by editing. Not only a really smart thing to do for the plot, like genuinely surprising and a way to clear the board of characters, but also put together... it's not enough to just have it be written like a fun twist. The Mm. fact that they put it together so well and edited it so to be so impactful, it raises it from the level of that's good to that's great. And then, and that, and that I love that it opened the episode because to to me, that was saying you watch battle of the bastards. You don't think we can do any better. We're going to do better immediately. And now the rest is just gravy. Yeah. And we also had, you know, big jump moments like Daenerys leaving for Westeros. Uh, the three, finding out that the Three John dragons Snow together is,
2: again. I mean, it, again, and
3: that was a cheesy moment. We all knew it was coming. But you know what? When it's at the end of that episode, it kind of works. It's just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, you had fun Jon Snow's parentage. Mm-hmm. You had the King of the North election scene. Want to call it that? Oh, man, the cut, the Even cut. Even the smaller stuff, like the Hand of the Queen pin when Daenerys... Oh, yeah, amazing. found him Hand of the Queen or whatever. Just... A lot of moments they're building to, in some cases, for years, were there, and they were thrown together in an elegant way, and um, I thought it was a terrific hour and 15 or so
2: minutes. What about you, Isis? What was your favorite episode of the season?
0: I agree with uh, Dan. I I mean, granted, of course, I love watching my beautiful cinnamon roll come <laughs> back to life completely naked. <laughs> Completely naked. With a
2: loincloth covering his genitals.
0: Well, I didn't I I just saw his hiney and I was that was that that gave me like that breathed life into me too. Um so no, I but I agree with Dan. I mean that the last episode, you know, you watch Battle of the Bastards and you're like, Wow, this is epic, you know, they did so many, you know, hit all the right notes. Um How will they ever you know, top this? How are they gonna top this? And they did at the very beginning, and and it's funny because I remember watching, um, you know, after the whole scene happens in, um, you know, with the the, the bombing—I guess you can call it—and you kind of like sigh and you're like, okay, what now? What 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 are they going to do now? We just started the <laughs> episode. What are they going to do now? And um, and I felt like it really just did an incredible job. That you know, it, it was was one of those things that. You can kind of go and say, okay, yes, I know that we're not going to get another episode for a long time. I know that we're going to have an abbreviated um, season, a half a season, if you will. But I'm okay with it because I've got this. I, I have this that I can chew on. And and some little piece of news that just came out, and I know that it's on Winter is Coming and it's also on Culturous, uh, that they're going to have, uh, during Christmas, a whole um, marathon yeah. Game of Thrones marathon, so you can go ahead and relive the magic, if you will, of all the episodes of Game of Thrones, especially that last episode that we got, uh, to kind of tie you over, you know, during Christmas time and everything, but I, I feel like that was one of those episodes that you kind of, you you don't forget about, you don't, like, I can kind of, oh yeah, that happened, you know, yeah, I saw, uh, what's her name, naked, and blah blah blah, but I, it's not one yeah. that I can... <laughs> and for me it's not ingrained in my head and and i'm okay with it but man that last episode i i you know what i'm probably gonna watch the episode again tonight
2: i've watched it several times and it never gets old phone your favorite episode
4: well since they both said the fi- finale i'm not gonna say that although it is the best episode because it ended with danny on a boat
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm
4: on a boat oh my it's just she, like she
0: her flippity flops.
4: I literally, like, I wasn't making a reference to Lonely Island there. I was just like, we've had six seasons of her being like, you know, I'm gonna get a boat, and then she, after she finally got a boat. It's like, she's. I'm, I need to buy a boat cat for six seasons, and then she finally gets a damn boat. Let me cut um, in here. Let
2: me cut in here. I remember our first of the season podcast of season six when they burned the fleet at Marine and you just losing your shit.
4: I lost my mind. I was just like, son of a bitch. They are never going to get on a boat. I, th- this show will end with her like looking around me like, we don't have any trees. How do I build a boat? Can you build boats out of gravy? No. And then like just the dumbest i was so happy <laughs> that she was on a boat so i'm going to change mine and not give the obvious one of the battle of the bastards which was actually technically almost a flawless episode i think mm-hmm. so i'm gonna say that i'm gonna say the door because it, uh, it, the door was the type of episode that you don't expect and what was it episode four?
2: <laughs> like yeah, five. five, five? five.
4: You really don't expect something like that in the middle of a season, A. And you also don't expect it to... Because something like, a reveal like that, an episode like that, that hits you in the gut the way that door did, you expect the next episode to either not exist, have that be the finale, or to have a massive drop-off. And there wasn't because of they. this is a great job crafting this season's story arc. But, man, that episode had... One of the most gut-wrenching, if not the most gut-wrenching moments <laughs> in in the show's seat. That's saying a lot. And I don't even know what else happened in that episode. I know reading the recap for it, being like, man, so much happened in this episode. But nothing, nothing will top that season, in season six. Nothing was as, I don't know the right word for it, than Hodor's death and my sacrifice. And isn't that where we... I don't guess. Did we meet Benjen in that episode, or was it the, the beginning next, of the next no. episode? The
3: next okay. episode it
4: was, it was the start of the I,
0: next one. I, I thought See, it was here. important, and, and because I'm not a book reader, but how the white, uh, the whites were created—you know—that yeah. we found that oh, out. Yeah, the, oh, the White yes, Walkers,
2: the White Walkers yeah. being created by obsidian. Yes. Yeah. I also I thought,
3: loved the um, the playing Brothel's How you watch there? I mean, oh man! Obviously, the whole stuff was the best stuff, but I liked it.
4: Yeah.
3: Even if you didn't like, even if you took that out. There's still quite a lot of good stuff in
4: that episode. Well, we talked about how important that play within a show mm-hmm. uh, was several times in the season, but to rem- it, it serves. Do you guys watch Westworld? Did everybody watch that?
2: Obviously,
0: yes, I did.
4: Okay, did everybody else watch it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm four episodes in. Okay, Hi, Isis, I'm you-
0: three. I'm three episodes in. Okay, go ahead.
4: that's that's fine because you all remember them playing like Black Hole Sun on that yes, saloon that piano, is. right? Mm-hmm. That's their really, and Jonathan Nolan's talked about this, to remind you that they're in a park. right? (laughs) Just so you as a viewer don't forget, this is a theme park. right? Right. So that play was a great, within the show, was a great reminder that, hey, you get to see all these third-person omniscient things happening, like you're being told the story from a view that no one else is. Everyone else in the world thinks that Tyrion's a piece of shit, and that joffrey was a great king that was murdered by his shitty uncle and that yeah, that's a great you know point. ned stark was a traitor and all these things and it and it really not just for Arya because it was enlightening for her to be reminded of those things uh obviously because it drove her away from the uh house of black and white market but uh there was <laughs> <laughs> uh it, it was important for us as viewers i think to be reminded that you're being told this story from a different angle than everyone else. And, you know, whenever this season comes up and it's Jon Snow and it's, uh, Emil- uh you know, Danny and all these people, they're going to be going up against someone in Lena Headey's character in Starcy that people actually sympathize with. So remember that.
2: I, th- I think uh, for me, season-, season six was one of those seasons, and Dan, you and I talked about this in our chat, um how it, it it started off with a, with a punch with the Melisandre twist, and then you had uh, Episode 2, Home, where we see a flashback, and we see all the, you know, there's some cool things there. And then in Oathbreaker, it was another one-two punch with the Tower of Joy. And then in Book of the Stranger, um, it started... Stark Stark Reunion, and then of course... The, the full on uh, just knock you out the door was the one. It's like we kept wondering. Remember, we kept talking during the season. When is this going to stop? How much are they going to keep hitting us in the gut with every episode? And then it happened in like episode six and seven. You know, kind of. It was like one of those setups. We're going to set everybody up. Get, get them ready for episode nine, the Battle of the Bastards. Which I'll go ahead and choose the Battle of the Bastards as my favorite one uh because i had been looking forward to john snow um to 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 take a quote from isis to wreck some dicks and uh, he did he got out there and obviously the the old stark um or targaryen if you want to call it uh <laughs> a- anger gene popped up and he was <laughs> he was goaded by by ramsay and he ran out there on the battlefield to try to save rickon and of course that probably caused thousands of his own men to die because they came to save him, but that episode was so amazing because as you're watching Jon Snow fall to the bottom of that pile of bodies, for me, I started to have a panic attack. I felt like I could not breathe at, at, at one point, and then you're watching the uh, the after show where, where Kit Harington is saying – and. You know, and, uh, Sapo, the guy who directed it, Miguel Sapo, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, I call him Sapo. He, Sapochnick. uh, Sapochnik. He talks about they actually put Kid Harrington through all of that. And then you see how those horses weren't CGI, they actually were on a track that came right, you know, they had a path that ran right at Kid Harrington. And this is the episode that Kid Harrington really should have been won every award there was ever was for. Because the way he acted his way through the battle his action scenes the from the time from being under the pile of men and almost suffocating to coming out of that to chasing ramsay down to winterfell and watching one one die and then to beating the shit out of ramsay and then stopping when he when he realizes that sansa's there and it's not his kill he, like ramsay was not his kill it was sansa's kill and he knew that so he let up and he let sansa have her day so, and then of course you get the chills moment where the Winterfell flag, the Stark flag, drops on Winterfell, and you are like, "Finally, things are going back to the right." So, I, I really love Battle of the Bastards for that. That was a really great episode, and I, I, like you guys have said, it it set up the Winds of Winter perfectly. And I don't know how we're going to get that in season seven with only. Seven episodes. I don't see. I mean, we we've seen the filming leaks. We've seen the filming. Uh, you know, we've seen reports and photos, and it looks like they're setting up to be big battles. So let's move off of season six. We've all talked about our favorite characters, our favorite scenes, and all and and, and favorite episodes. Dan, you have your hand or fingers on the pulse of news, and Gross. for seven se- season seven and i want to ask you i want to ask you oh god i want to ask you what excites you most about season 7 from all the all the filming things we've seen the the photos the videos and even if you want to talk about it which i really don't care to the leak what what excites you most
3: i mean my honest answer i know it's kind of a cheat a cheat answer is what i don't know excites me the most mm. that's that's always been the case that's actually um, a really good answer I mean, it's, it, it's 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 totally cheating because it's not something from the photos, but um, it, it's true. That, that's always been true of the show. I didn't see the door coming, and I loved it. I didn't see the the set explosion coming, and I loved it. I hope they deliver things that we don't see coming, and um, you know, the leak. Eh, I don't want I don't want to talk about it either. <laughs> All it could be true. Some it could be true. Some it's obviously true, but it's not complete. And there's no context. Right. So I am hoping that we see some things that come, not out of left
2: field, then like
3: center left and uh, just surprise us.
2: Who do you want to see most in season – who do you want to follow? Whose story do you want to follow most in season seven? If you had to pick, um, if you had to pick one good. character. Just
3: one single character. Um, Sansa. It is. I'm sorry. I want to see what she – and, and okay. I'm apologizing. I mean, I do. I want to see what she does next. And just, like, what's involved with her sphere of influence right now. I feel like she's a character who's growing and is really kind of dynamic right now. A a lot of the other ones are kind of set. Daenerys hasn't really changed since the end of Season 1, to be honest. Jon Snow is, you know, kind of the dour, gloomy guy. Sansa is someone who's developing, and I want to see where that development takes her. I can see her dying by next season. I can see her becoming the new Queen of Winterfell by next season. Um... I don't know which way it's going to go, and I want to see.
2: I'm gl- Yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, ISIS. If you had to pick out of all the the news that's come out of season seven filming, what excites you like, the most?
0: Okay, well, of course, it's going to be Danny and Jon Snow meeting. Oh. I feel like there's a whole lot of meaty things that could happen there. Um, you know, and I'm not going to you know talk about any spoilers or anything like that but no uh, we warn
2: people you can talk about spoilers here well they they know
0: i I just i think that you know there's a a a family you know uh, thing going on issue that they don't even know about that they're actually you know related um i feel like that could come up uh i feel like you know there may be even as some people have said that they would be open to a romance between John and Danny, uh, but I feel like you know the the war coming that they have a lot that they need to either you know they're either going to join forces or they're going to be like okay no we're going to split apart. So I feel like they have a lot of the, their their storylines merging together is a good thing, and I'm I, I'm actually really excited about seeing it. Uh, I think that it has a lot of potential. You know, to show us some really, really great things, um, and and maybe elevate both of those actors they're acting to you know another level. So choose um, one. Uh, choose
2: one character. Choose one character. Oh, okay.
0: Well, now the person that I want to see is going to be Arya Stark. Okay. And it, it's not. I mean, yes, I, I want to know about Jon Snow and Danny, but I, I really, really want to know about Arya, and and I'm going to tell you the reason why, um, being that all the things that have happened to Arya, I feel like, to me, she is like a, a war veteran coming home. and Or at least I'm assuming she's coming home. I hope she is. I hope she's going to Winterfell. And I am interested how she's going to play this. I am interested to find out, you know, is she going to have some sort of uh, PTSD? You know, what changes are going to occur? Are her Is her family going to... Um, you know, I mean, of course, they all say, oh, yes, you know, please come home, please come home. But are they really ready to deal with the, the issues that Arya may have um, coming back to civilization? You know, she's been on her own for so long. She's having to fight for everything that she's she has, uh, even the clothing on her back. And, um, and so I'm really, really interested in Arya Stark. I think that... Um, this story has been developing, and and maybe it's because you know I'm a military veteran, and I see something in her that I feel like it's relatable, and um and so and also I, I have hopes that her and the Hound are going to meet back up. So if that happens, I think I everybody
2: wants I think everybody
0: wants that. <laughs> yeah, if we can get them to meet back up, a- and even you know do a little trifecta, an Arya, Bren, and Hound reunion, and and. They're the only three that know what happened on that damn mountain, and so, so I Isis. You heard it here, folks. First,
2: Isis wants a three-way between Arya, <laughs> the island, and Brienne. All right, we well, heard it here first. Um, Don't forget Podrick. Podrick, the legend. Pain. Um, I, 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 think I'm looking forward to most out of what uh, what I've seen from the leaks and all the spoilers and all the filming and and all that. I want to see uh, Drogon lay waste to the Lannister army. I want to see how that how that gets put together if that is in fact what's going to happen. Uh, I want to see Mad Queen Daenerys decide to go. You know what? You kidnapped Yara. You killed some Sand Snakes. They were my they were my peeps. So you know what? I'm going to go ahead and take my revenge. And I want to see her go full on fire breathing Mad Light Queen. Them Light them up. And I want to see it happen. And we've seen the pictures, we, we've seen what we think is going to happen, but that's what, I, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. I, I want to see the dragons, you know, because the other two, Viserion and Rhaegal, they've always been smaller than Drogon because they've been kept in captivity. I want to see if they've grown, um, and that makes me excited. And, of course, obviously I want to see what happens when Jon and the Hound and Thoros and, 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 and whoever else goes north of the Wall – try to capture a white and bring it back. I want to see that. But the one character that I'm most excited for, uh, and I can't believe nobody's mentioning, I want to see what, what happens to Sam in Old Town. What does he discover, man? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, guys. Sam is could possibly be the savior of Westeros. He could possibly figure out how to cure Grayscale, how to stop the White Walkers, and how to make a really good chicken soup. You never know. There's a lot of books there in that library. And uh I always loved it I always loved John Bradley on screen because he plays Sam exactly how I read him in the books. And um and and I wanna see what happens with him and Gilly there in Old Town. So that's who I'm most interested in following. Obviously I wanna see all the characters and what they're gonna do, but we didn't get enough of Sam in season six, did we? I mean I, I don't think I don't think we did. Just that moment
0: when he went home and He went home,
2: and- stole the sword, then he went to Old Town and that was it.
0: But I like the I mean, fact that he stood up to his dad. I mean, you know, there were some daddy issues there, and that I felt like, you know, in the end, he he got you know the last word in in his own way.
3: Right, right. And now he is the first person we know who's going to college in Westeros. What crap <laughs> will he pledge? His Q final be hard? Look at that stuff.
2: That would be awesome. Animal House, Westeros. Full um, town. So. This has been our year-end review for Game of Thrones. We've talked about it all, I think, unless either any of you have have something else you want to bring up before we bring this podcast to a close. Dan, are you happy with the way things have ended? Are you glad that we got such a good season six, and are you looking forward to season seven?
3: I hate that season six was so good. It's really annoying.
2: Is it scary? um, Is it scary that it was so good?
3: No, it wasn't scary. Of of course, I'm happy. Yeah, it was was a good year. I think it's a good year for Game of Thrones. Looking forward to what happens next. One quick thing I'll mention is really, really fast. Uh, spoilers. Sam and Gilly are alive. We have them filming stuff. so that's good. Woohoo. and there's uh there's snow in King's Landing now. So
2: that winter has happened. Winter has come to King's Landing. Uh, okay, uh, so I don't know. I think I think we can call this a good podcast. So for myself, for Dan Selke, thanks for joining us again. Uh, for Isis and for Corey Zone. Thanks for joining us for this last podcast of 2016. We will be back in the first weeks of 2017. Listen, if you have any questions about the podcast, leave them in the comments section. If you have a topic you want us to talk about when we come back from our holiday break, let us know there as well. So uh, thanks for listening. Valar